we back and we back <sighs> let me tell you something my loyal listeners sorry we've been gone we've been on a break our producer our mixer and master mr dj david fuck david slack was um in a uh prison camp south of the border uh he had gotten into some trouble in tijuana um, and he was in a Mexican prison, and we had to actually go and get him and break him out. So he's back now. He's okay. He actually speaks Spanish, and he's got a hell of a tan. So mm-hmm. um, he's back. He's, he's safe. Don't worry about him. Um, he's taken care of. We've got him his vaccines, vaccination shots. So he's not. He's good. That's all you guys need to know is that he's good. And, uh, you know, fucking life rips, dude. And it's been a fucking interesting, like, month and a half, you know? So I'm really glad to be back. And, of course, I am your gracious host and captain of this here ship, Mr. Chudzy Wubzy. Okay? And then uh, over here to my left, or my right, left, sorry, I have dyslexia. It's an incurable disease, and it affects over 3 million people in the United States. So, um, you know, it just kind of is what it is. And it's to my left is Mr. Danny Habiteus. And for the people watching the video, you can see that he has, like, a shirt or something around his around his neck and that shirt right there the shirt the shirt the that saved mythical shirt. the mythical shirt that saved my dad's life a year and a half ago and on the high racism. salts and ended on the high salt river ended racism okay and also um yeah just saved my dad's life it was an amazing story and it's actually in the episode we talk about that with mr habitas uh so you should watch that was that episode two i think yeah. episode two side note we'll be auctioning off the shirt for charity Ooh, at some point yeah don't know when but we're gonna do that and second side note no we will be not because that shirt means a lot to my family okay you can buy it it's going to a good cause i shouldn't have gave it to you i've had it for so long and you stopped asking about it so you know what that's fair. That's okay. I also need a nickname. That's okay. And we got a fucking real special guest, and every guest is real fucking special because we're going to be fucking getting into uh, this person's life, you know? And we're going to talk about some trials and some tribulations, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to have a good time. And it's going to be fucking great, dude. And that's Miss Miss Whitney Vader. Is your last name Vader? I legitimately don't know not. your last name, and I've known you for years. She wouldn't tell yes, me. Yes, I don't tell people my last name. Hell well, yeah. so, so keep your secrets then, Miss Whitney. Keep Whitney your secrets. X. You know, you'll, I'll probably get into why in this, yeah. in this story. Oh, man, I didn't even think that there was a story behind it, but okay, There's yeah, we'll talk reason. about it. There's it's. I mean, whatever. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. But anyways, Vader's a way cooler last name anyway, yeah. so. Oh, we also got a sponsor. I'm getting there, dude. Wait a second, will you please, dude? We got a fucking sponsor, okay? Dang, bud. Good big butt. And that's Bud Audi Sigs, baby. The best in the business, dude. And they provide all your vaping needs. You can order food, sandwich. It's like a... It's like a fucking Postmates. It's like a Postmates for vaping, except you got to wait three to five business days for it to get to your door. But it will get there. And guess what? I'm doing something real special for my listeners, man. And we've been doing this real special thing for you guys, okay? Excuse me. I'm fucking drinking an iced Americano, so that's what's up. Hell yeah. Actually, it's not. It's I was a, gonna say. It's a French. Oh, yeah. It's a wheel French. Tell me there was no cream, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's straight up black because that's what's up, okay? Uh, so I'm yes. a little, I'm getting a little crazy right now. I can feel it, dude. It's a vibe right now. It's a vibe in here, dude. And that, <laughs> so listen, listen. Just listen to me for a second. Let me say this, okay? Um, <laughs> you're going to enter in last week out. In the promo code on the uh, on the website, the on the line, you're gonna get on the line and you're gonna type in butt out of your cigs and you're gonna order your salt nicks and your fucking mods and your fucking whatever, dude. And you're gonna put last week on the promo code. And what are they gonna get when they do that, David? 
Um, they're gonna get twenty percent off. Twenty percent off your order, and you're gonna support the fucking podcast, dude. You know you want to support the podcast, dude. Limestone Lenny depends on it, man. So please get on there and donate. And you can actually just Venmo me personally at Chad Fredman. Um, I want to quit my job and just do this full time for you guys uh, because you are what's most important to me in my life. So please, you can just go ahead and do that. Um, and that would that would be really really nice, you know. Hell Hold yeah. on one second. Hold on. We're gonna pause for this coffee break. She'll put you in a fucking full Nelson and make you lick her titties. Yeah, her titties. And that was talking about a prison guard. And she was a wonderful woman, by the way. So, without... Was someone's mom that you were talking... No, dude, we were talking... I forget the lady's <laughs> name, dude. That was with Cam, though, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was we were Cam's talking. mom, I think. No, dude, it was not Cam's mom. It oh, wasn't. Okay. No, well, right, let's think about the context yeah. there. Yeah. Someone's mom? <laughs> it was someone's mom. Because everyone's Well, not got, necessarily. Well, it yeah. It was someone's daughter. It Definitely was someone's was daughter someone's and someone's could have possibly been someone's mom. Someone's and you're someone's daughter. I am. Mm-hmm. So I, let's I, talk about that, Miss Whitney. Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. This is a little awkward. No, yeah. yeah, it's awkward as fuck. But that's And okay. I'm awkward, so if I'm like being awkward. Dude, you know what? I got that vibe from you right away. And yeah. I, I got to tell you, I appreciate it a lot it's, because it's fucking authentic. When someone can come in a room... And they don't do it on purpose, but they're just fucking awkward. I'm like, yeah, me yeah. too, man. Thank you. I'm always kind of like fidgeting around a little bit. Yeah, you're like, saying like, oh, well, well, that that's a cool you did there. You did a cool. <laughs> Slack did a cool earlier. Yeah, he we did a cool. He did a cool thing. Cool. What was that? I forget. I, don't I missed even it also. What it was. <laughs> so you know, well, it was your goodwill. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. You want to know what? You want to know what else is cool? What? You, you're cool. Okay. So let's talk about you. Let's, get into it. let's talk about you. I don't know if I'm cool, but we'll get into it. We'll so. find it. That's what the next hour is about, is mm-hmm. deciding that. Yeah. No you pressure. Make, make up, yeah, I'll let you know. Spoiler, I'm not very cool. Uh, so, so what's up? Where did you... So I grew up... All right, let me get it out. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, dude, we'll give it a up. chance, dude. I grew up in Wisconsin. Oh, nice. damn. Big yeah. cheese. Big cheese. So, and I, like, <clears throat> my family was is fantastic like uh italian polish family they are from upstate new york both my parents and i grew up in like rural wisconsin on a farm with horses and like three german shepherds and like all this land with three siblings it was great i loved it and i'm so grateful i grew up there and i always say that um and then i moved here when i was 12 and i've lived here ever since only child no, one of four. She just said she had a bunch oh. of siblings on a yeah, farm. Just not even I was listening. thinking about a bunch of things at the same time. Yeah, Oldest, youngest, what, where do you fall in line there? So I'm the middle, mm. older middle. Okay. So we've got the oldest sister, who is cool. We got my, uh, me, we got my brother beneath me, who him and I are super tight. We're like, I've, right. you've probably met him before, Danny. He is like boy me, like okay. in every way, the way he talks, his mannerisms. What's his then, last name? <laughs> Don't well even done. start. <laughs> Vader, it's Vader. Yeah, it's fucking Darth Vader. Just it's Vader. It's worry about it. Vader. So you moved here when you were twelve. Yes. And so, you're a cowgirl. No. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. So here's the thing about me. I have always been odd. You know. I've just no or not. Yeah, odd or different. Different mm. from my fellows. You know, like mm. that experience. In AA, I was like, that is spot on. Like, mm-hmm. when I heard that, I was like, I've always felt different. So I've always felt the need to try and fit in. So I, you know, tried really hard when I came here to not be, like, from the Midwest, you know, because I moved 
in my parents, you know, they wanted the best for us, so they moved us to North Ass Scottsdale. You know, they didn't really know east of the one hundred and one. Yeah, like one hundred thirtieth and Shea. Yeah. So I went to Desert Mountain. Yeah, yeah. Is that go where Wolves. You went? Oh my yeah, god. Go Wolves. Had the oh most amazing high school parties from people that lived at Desert Mountain. Yeah, the most amazing. So thank you for that. You well, went to like the small five bedroom house parties. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. No, see, that's the thing. I was not involved in the parties, like in high school, because I was a competitive swimmer. Like the probably the biggest part of my story is I was a competitive swimmer for sixteen years. Um, I started when I was in Wisconsin. I think I was like six, um, and I swam. So that was like my life, especially like growing up from like the time I moved here when I started getting really good to the time that I um, will get to it, but it got kicked off the U of A swim team. Oh, wow. So being so being in such a competitive sport your whole life, I imagine, because I've always wondered this because I never um, played anything competitively, but I imagine that the, like, uh, the ethos with that is, like, at a young age, like, so were you, like, a very, like, regimented, like, organized person because you played a competitive sport like you were like this is my routine this is what I do or was it just kind of like something you did for fun like what was the mindset behind that I think there's a lot of levels to it I think mostly it was I needed that kind of discipline I needed that kind of routine because I'm so all over the place that like if I don't have things in place structured for me I get really lost and confused Mm -hmm. and distracted Um, like taking Xanax yeah exactly exactly and so like but i thrive when i have a routine like i do so well i did i was you know i don't i hate like bragging um but i was a really really good swimmer i went to olympic trials in 2008 whoa dude Um, how old were you then in 2008 i was was 18 you just stunted right there yeah you just flexed on us right now dude your shirt's ripping you're flexing so hard (laughs) well yeah i mean I worked my fucking ass off for swimming. Like I, tra- you know, it was my whole life. And any one listening who has done, who grew up doing like a competitive sport that was so demanding, like you understand, it's this level of commitment from like a kid. That's a lot to ask. So, out of curiosity, like there's, I mean, there's softball, there's volleyball, there's uh, soccer. Why, why swimming? What was? Well, Desert swimming? Mountain, it was different. It was like I played tennis. There okay. was golf lacrosse swimming no, yeah well, it, i was like, a swimmer before we didn't mess yeah. with football and, yeah and we're the cla- sports we that didn't only, cost money only sports you can do at the country club yeah, otherwise for sure <laughs> i'm not allowed in this. yeah why would i like hang around that. those other peasants <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry yeah. but what was it like <laughs> what is it about swimming um it's just swimming is like the most natural thing for me like it's i've always loved the water since i can remember i i wanted to be a swimmer you know and i was just automatically good at it yeah and just something about like all of my like my knee joints my arms my shoulders all like are uh, double jointed and hyper extend so i'm just like oh there i go i did it (laughs) got all excited and i moved away from the microphone you're flailing you're flailing around (laughs) you see this video what stroke is that (laughs) (laughs) look on my face like i smell some piss that's part of Uh it go like this do the bird oh (laughs) Irrelevant. So were you a scholarship athlete at U of A? Yeah, so I had a full scholarship to U of A. God and damn. When I went to U of A the year before, they had won the NC2A title, both men's and women's. Yeah. So I, I was I was good enough where I could just choose wherever I wanted to go. And I was going to get most likely a full scholarship. So I got to go on recruiting trips and stuff, and I got to do 
you know, I got to like pretty much just pick. And you picked Tucson? Yeah, because U of A had the best team. And it was like people came, (laughs) like Olympic athletes from other countries came to swim at U of A. And Olympians for the United States swim for U of A. Oh, wow. So with being so um, proficient in like that competitive sport, what were what were your grades in school? Were you a good student? Like, you so know. we'll rewind a little bit. And this was so. This is something you know. If you know me well enough, I'll bring it up. It's important. It's super important to keep talking about. And it happened to me. Um, so when I will rewind, when I was about twelve, turning thirteen, um, my swim coach at the time started sexually abusing me for a very long time for years god damn it yeah so that so i always i mention it because like what happened to me was so much more than just like some it wasn't just physical abuse it was um this thing called grooming and it Mm. happens a lot with like uh authority figures to people you know, who are entrusted, they're entrusted to take care of or teach or train or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's really common. And it happened to me. Absolutely. You know, I was like a young girl who all I could really, I didn't understand. I thought that that was love and I thought that that was normal. And, you know, I had, I held on to that secret until I was 22 and Mm -hmm. I finally, I didn't, I didn't tell a soul. Um, so in terms of like my life in that time when I was swimming, I was really weird and antisocial. So somewhere like, you know, desert mountain, which is just, if you know, you know about it. You know, yeah. Whatever. It's like just real preppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like Chad went to Casa Graham. Uh, so, yeah. Casa Grande Union, so. Desert Winds, Alternative School, baby. Desert Winds, Alternative, dog. Yeah, dog. Sounds like a class of 500 people. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into all that, but it was, it was 312, actually. That so was that two, was drug school. So two questions. One, what? Uh, so you mentioned grooming, right? So what does mm-hmm. that look like for people that don't understand what that is? Yeah, so... <clears throat> Grooming is like, uh, and I'll give you an example different from mine. So we could say it's between a teacher and a student, right? So the teacher uses their position of authority and power over said student to kind of influence them, make them, you know, do what they want, brainwash them in a sense. Um, You know, so I think what happened with me is I was groomed because he manipulated my young, you know, young teenage mind into thinking like that's what love was. So I thought that's what love was. And in turn, you know, I was like, I'll, you know, he was my coach and he got a lot of like glory from being my coach because of everything I accomplished. And he would consistently say to me, you know, you can never tell someone about this because I will go to jail. And I would be like, oh, my God, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's just complete manipulation of power. And he knew, you know, it was calculated. Yeah. And this happens. It's not just in sports. It's not just in with a adult and a minor. It happens everywhere. It happens in Harvey so Weinstein many. Shit, huh? Yes, yeah. exactly. It's it's happening everywhere. And like when I hear shit like that about the, you know, Harvey Weinstein, I'm like, it's just on a different level or a different scenario, a different scale. But it's the same fucking thing. Like I watched that R. Kelly documentary. And it was the same exact thing. I don't know if you guys watched that, but it was mm-hmm. It's too tough. Like I it horrible hurts to watch it like that. It was horrible. It. Yeah. Right. But it's a similar th- it's the same thinking where he used his power and his authority to manipulate people and especially women into doing whatever he wanted. Um, so it's imp- go ahead. Do you know if there was like other people on the team that were a victim of this as well or So there were no other 
uh, like swimmers on the on that team. Mm. Um, but what happened was a bunch of his um, athletes from the college team that he went on to coach because he got a D one college coaching um, job mm-hmm. at, while he was my coach. He got offered this job, you know. So he went, but all, a bunch of those swimmers, you know, accused him of abuse and of different kinds yeah, yeah. after I came out. And and so you were subject to this for a number of years, it sounds like, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and you ended up coming out with it when you were 21, you said? Yeah. So fast forward, you know, my swimming career, I still did, you know, great. I went to Olympic trials. I qualified in six different events, which was like, you know, that wasn't easy. That was a big, cool thing. Um, and then at U of A, you know, I won an NC2A title my sophomore year on the nice. 400 medley relay, which, you know, an NC2A division one title was like one of my all time, like lifetime goals. Um, and I just, I fell off shortly after that. I got kicked off the team in the, the next year, the beginning of my junior year um, for just partying too much, you know, failing drug tests and stuff. When did that start? When did the the drugs and alcohol kind of become a part of the story? When I got to college, you know, I had never really like partied before that. No one, I had never had the chance, you know, I couldn't party because I was swimming. Like that was my whole life. So I kind of lived this like miserable, like young life of solitude when I was younger, you know, and I was kind of like going through this thing. And I'm so sorry this has gotten so heavy. It'll it'll mm. lighten up soon. No, th- this is this is this is the point of this podcast, man. Yeah. It's like you sitting across from us and being super transparent and honest is like the hopes that someone's gonna hear this and they're gonna be like, hey, I'm not alone. So please, like, you right. be as authentic as you're being and just like continue on because you're doing a great job right now. Okay, cool. We've Thank had you. way darker. Oh, <laughs> you wanna get dark? So satisfying doing a metal screen into the microphone. <laughs> oh my god. What was that? What was that, you guys? That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? Good play, dude. Good fucking play. That was dude. Weird. Good There's fucking a play. ghost in here. Yeah, this room's haunted. So yeah. high school, you were not Right. So I was not the party girl. So the partying started when I got to college and I became cool you know people fucking like me and I could relax because I was always you know I was always just carrying so much guilt and shame within at all times that like I'd had no idea how to like communicate with people at all Mm -hmm. and then I would drink and I would be like oh my god and I just you know I was the kind of person where if you handed me something like a pill or something I would just take it and then I would ask you what it was I'd be like, oh, by the way, what was that? But like, let's get lit. You know, like I didn't care. That's super normal to me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would be weird to like, why wouldn't you want drugs? Who cares what kind Mm. of drugs it is? Like Mm -hmm. do it, you know? And so that's just kind of how it started. And I, you know, quickly got into pills and um, my parents. So I got kicked off the team. My parents came um, and moved me back up to Phoenix because my parents through this whole thing have been so incredibly supportive my entire life. Was there any? Was there a specific situation that got you kicked off the team, or was it just a culmination? It was of- like it was. I had like a meeting with my coach a week prior, and he asked me if I was you know doing drugs. What was up with me? And you like, said no. Uh, yeah, of course right. I said fuck mm-hmm. no. I was like no. How dare you? Yeah, I was like, how could you say? <laughs> I'm a Division One champion. Yeah, I was like, do you know who the fuck I am? Yeah. <laughs> and then the, a week later, he had me do a drug test, and I knew it. I even before I peed, I was like, 
got some bad but you, news, but you man. never, but you, <laughs> you just, yep. you didn't admit it ever. You never no, admitted no, no, guilt. No. I never admitted. Well, I admitted guilt that second time. Yeah. <laughs> I was called to the office, but yeah, but until then I was like, I'm going to figure it out. Deny, deny, yeah, yeah, deny, yeah, deny. deny. And because, you know, I'm like, this is all I have. Like if, if I'm not a swimmer anymore, I. Oh, wow. So it's a loss of identity. 100%. That's that scary. is who I was. Well, And the scholarship, too. Yeah, and the scholarship, the scholarship to no more school. Right. So you leave U of A. That's yeah, right. so I leave. So my parents are like, okay. You know, they come get me. I move in. I think I move in with my mom. And I started, I was working at a restaurant. I started, yeah, just partying like super heavy, doing a bunch of coke, doing a bunch of like pain pills. Um and then I think so that in that first time I shot dope like twice. And before that I hadn't smoked it or anything. It was just someone offered. You're talking shoot about me heroin. Up. Yeah, heroin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went directly from like never using yeah. heroin to like, hey, let's use this. Yeah, needle. I was hanging out with these like shady people in North Scottsdale and they were where my mom lived. And yeah, I was like I knew you were familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just, I was so down for whatever. Yeah. And, like, in my mind, too, I think I had this, like, romanticized view of, like, shooting dope. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I wanted to be like that. Like, I, I just had no idea who I was. So I was like, maybe I'll find myself in this, mm-hmm. you know? Um well, that's, that's really true because I've just been watching Breaking Bad for the first time ever. <laughs> so, so good. So good. Well, there's Dude. a scene where Jesse shoots, does a speedball with meth and heroin for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the way they filmed it, you know, it was like this romanticized, like he does the shot, he leans back on the bed, and then like he starts to just float up. Right. Right, and like it gave it gave me the willies, mm-hmm. gave me the goddamn willies, dude. Because being a, a an IV drug user for so long and not being anymore, obviously, was like watching that, and like it was a wild experience. Mm-hmm. Gave me the <laughs> what? False start. Yeah. Gave me the goddamn willies. Dude. That's so good. I'm so, <laughs> so glad good. you got that. Goddamn, goddamn willies, because that's that's what it is, man. Because like. Right, I became an IV drug user because I found acceptance in that. Right. You know what I mean? It was just like something that just like came so naturally. It's like, I'm going to destroy my life, but like these people love me and they love me like so much more than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And like, I just feel. And they won't <sighs> judge me and they'll let me be who I am. Right. And, and it was like. Fucking <sighs> but as we all know, that ends either yeah. soon or it takes a long time and it's a lot of suffering. So for you. You know, when when does this start to get like completely out of control? So for me, it didn't get out of control that time with heroin. My my mental health became the Ooh. number one problem. Yeah. So I right after that second time I did, I did heroin and I had been stealing from my stepdad. Right. I'd been stealing cash out of his safe. And he, f- he found out about it. Mm. How'd you get into the safe? I had the code. You had they the code? They trusted me. Did they give you the code or did you like sneak no, it? No, they acquired? gave it to me. Oh, shit. Right. Or like, I'm, you know what? They didn't give it to me, but I'm pretty sure it was like, hey, go open it yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Like That's yeah, so funny. Quick yeah. side note. I actually got the code to my parents' safe, but this is how I did it. They had it in their closet and they always folded laundry on top of it. So I took the iPad. And I, f- and I flipped the camera and I just pressed record and I put it underneath the pile of clothes 
but the camera was slightly overhanging and it looked down right at the combination. So one day when they were, I went and it's grabbed like it. Mission Impossible. <laughs> Dude, and shit. I just like, I analyzed the video for I don't know how long and then bam, I fucking nailed it. Like yeah. I was watching so many different frames of just hands coming in and just. I pictured you like throwing baby powder on the number. Yeah, right. Which parts are like. the black light. I was a fucking sneaky little bitch. I'll tell you what, dude. Mission Impossible. So, okay. Anyways, you're robbing your stepdad. So I'm robbing my stepdad. He finds out. My mom and my stepdad call me, you know, and I think they had their suspicions. Yeah. And they're like, someone robbed us, you know, like thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm like, that sucks. I'm like, that's crazy. Should have invested in CDs, yeah. stepdad. Yeah, you should have not given me the code, stepdad, <laughs> in passing. Yeah, that one dub time. stepdad. <laughs> I love you, Lance, if you hear this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, so Fuck you, that you're not my dad <laughs> Yikes That's true, you're not But she still loves you Hey Lance, I please do. hit the subscribe button okay, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't even know about this <laughs> Anyway, so A couple a couple days pass and Or no, that night they said Okay, we're going to call the cops And I'm fingerprint it because we, And then I'm like, oh, I'm caught yeah, <laughs> Okay, now I'm caught And like, because there's no Because my hands, my fucking Because he didn't believe in banks So my fucking sticky hands are all up All, all over everything mm-hmm. You know, digging through like envelopes and stuff So um, I tried to kill myself um, Now I imagine that's not because You got caught stealing Like I imagine there's more to like Hey, I tried to kill myself Yeah, like, I got no, that, this was the event Because I had yeah. been using I knew I was like I was like, I'm about to be fucking fucked off Like I'm about mm. to be strung out on drugs Like this is bad Like because I'm going down. And mm. all the while, my mental health was totally... I'd never talked to a therapist. I had never told anyone about anything that had happened to me. I just, you know... And, you know, I have my trauma, but I've also been the way I am since I was born. You know, like, I have really bad depression and really bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm just... Like, mostly social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, depression. It's, you know... If it's, if I don't treat it, it's horrible. It's unbearable. Different from your fellows. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Totally different where I just, I never could just adjust correctly. You mm-hmm. know, it was always difficult. Um, so yeah, a lot of things led up to that. Um, and I just, I was at my best friend at the Times house and I just went through all of her pills and just took like hundreds of pills of mixed whatever. And oh, I locked myself in the bathroom. She like basically knocked the door in called the ambulance i end up at aurora in tempe yeah. behavioral help aurora that's my shit <laughs> love it um and i end up there and you know a social worker asked me if i've ever been sexually abused and no one had ever asked me before so how old are you at this point i'm 22 21 or 22 mm. yeah yeah i want to say 22 it's like 2012 yeah no, no one loves you when you're 22 yeah nobody Blink said it best. Nobody loved me. Um, so finally someone asked me and I said it. You know, I was like, yes, I have. And she asked me who. And I said, my swim coach. And she asked me, is he still a coach? And I said, yep. She said, okay. Like, this happened when you were a minor and he's still a coach. So we have to report this now. Oh, I was like, okay. So Was that how, scary? Yeah. How did that feel when I you finally good. let that go? I felt good. It yeah. felt good to tell her. Um you know, and I'll say this too for like all victims of any kind of abuse, 
it's so hard to come forward because you have it's so hard to take everything that happens after you know telling because it's one thing to tell one person you know this social worker who has obvious you know she's caring and she I can talk to her and I can I feel safe with this woman you know as opposed to like cop after cop after cop after you know my parents after my family like lawyers excuse me over and over it's it's a horrible process there's it a serious aftermath painful. to it right yes well that's uh we're going to take a quick break we usually do about this point um and then we're going to get back into it and we're going to talk a little bit about that aftermath all right be right back Good evening, my friends. It's Commander Cutie, Mr. Chudsy Wubsy from the Last Week Out podcast, and we've got some exciting news for y'all. Over here at the Last Week Out podcast, we are produced by Slack Media, and they have a special promotion going on right now. If you are a two-legged homo sapien or a millennial who just had a meaningful conversation and have the urge to put it on the internet, we're just the people for the job. We record, edit, and update and post. Fuck, update and post. What the fuck is update? Why did I say update? You can update stuff. I guess you can update stuff. Listen, dude, you want to fucking do a podcast? Guess what? We're the ones that can do it for you. We can edit, mix, master, and produce the whole thing, and we can help you figure out, do you know what an RSS feed is? Because I sure didn't when I started this, but because of Slack Media, now I do. So if you have a podcast and you want to get it started and you want to skip all the difficult stuff, go ahead and email LLC at gmail. And or you can and or fuck god damn it dude and or and or 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 you can slide in our DMs at the last week out on Instagram. Get on in there. Love you. Bye. We good on the video over there, bud? Danny is lighting something on fire Because he's a pyrotechnic But he doesn't have a degree in pyrotechnics So he's doing something really dangerous And welcome back I feel like that's more of a trade, not a degree Pyrotechnics? Yeah Pyrotechnics I went to firework school <laughs> That'd be some fun homework assignments. That would be gave fun. me the goddamn willies. Yeah, it gave me the goddamn willies, dude. And you know what? Um, you know, you know, we're back. Like we're back, dude. And we're back. And we were talking about some pretty serious stuff. And again, I want to thank you, uh, Miss Whitney, for being so transparent and honest. And uh, we're getting into right the aftermath of what it's like when you are sexually abused and you finally speak up because I think that um, that is a big thing you know because there's so many there's so many things that happen after that and that have to happen right and it's a hard thing for someone to go through like it really is so let's kind of just dive into that so we left off you had you were 22 years old and you finally spoke up about abuse from your swim coach at a young age Yes. So, um, 
yeah, so I came forward. Um, and I'll, the short version of it is I went through about a year of um, the dealing with the police, um, the legal system side of it. Um, and then on from that, the civil side of it, kind of holding USA Swimming accountable, who is the governing body mm-hmm. of um, like all swimming. So there's no professional, there's no professional swimming. It's just they're in charge of everything. Um, but the hardest part of the whole situation was telling policeman after policeman the story, you know, and, and they want, they have to have the details. They mm-hmm. have to have every single terrible detail. So I had to do that. And I had to do it over and over and over. And um, the one thing that made it so difficult was when I came forward, it was, you know, years after. And of course, there was no proof, mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, okay, so here's the reality. And this happens a lot is we don't have any proof. All we have is what you're saying to us. That's not proof. What you have to do is before we approach him or before we do anything, you have to call him and you have to get him to confess in detail what he did that's the only way this can work wow God, and i'm like <laughs> so yeah so you know this is i'm i had gotten sober at this time i was living in sober living um and i had the program i was doing really well and i had a really amazing support system around me um so i went to do this call and my dad was there and my friend from sober living was there with me and I called him and I used, you know, the program to get him to admit, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm in AA and I, I'm on my fourth step and I need you to admit what you did to me so that I can work through my resentment. And I remember he is an alcoholic. I remember him going oh, wow. to AA and like showing up drunk to like morning practice and stuff. So I knew I'm like, this is how I get him to admit it. And he fucking admitted all of it yeah. oh. and the, like all the police were listening and like how we are now yeah. it was like this it was a table like this they were all sitting there listening and they're all like what the <laughs> fuck like they yeah. the, so finally you know the end of it you know he was he said all this shit right and he started to get nervous and he started to ask me weird questions and literally like it was he was like uh, manipulating me over yeah. the phone again and I didn't even know and the cop like went and hung up he's like we have yeah. what we need yeah and he hung up the true um, definition of got him coach got, got him like it was I mean it was a horrible situation it was a horrible experience yeah. um but I knew I, I had to do that like I I had to do that he needed to be held accountable um, was there some like sense of relief after going through that process and like having other people, whether it's like believe you or because I imagine that's like a different uh, experience once like more people know they know it's true. They understand what happened. Like, yes and no. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's so you guys ask me why I don't like to use my last name. And mm-hmm. this is why, because if you Google me. Um, you know, I was a really good swimmer, so my swimming stuff will come up. And this was highly like publicized and covered. It was on um, outside the lines on ESPN. Oh shit! Um, yeah. With so Bob like, Levy. so I don't like people knowing my full name because I don't want everyone to have access to that information. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like at any time, like, oh hey, like you're applying for this job. Like, 
let's just see what's up. And then it's like this whole fucking shit, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, so that's why I'm kind of weird about it. But at the same time, I believe it is my responsibility to share my experience. Like as uncomfortable as it makes me or as, because it does feel if, so you asked me if I felt relief and yeah. I would say no, relief mm. is not the word. Um, I felt some kind of freedom for sure, you know, um, but the real freedom I did this because I had to. I did this because I had to share my story because it's happening all over every, every day constantly and people don't know how to talk about it or they feel like they're alone. That's how I felt. I didn't know who the fuck to talk to. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I had no one to talk to. There was nobody who I felt like could understand or relate, you know, so that's why like I've gotten calls and messages from girls saying like, dude, thank you for saying this. Like I... You know, and they've come out with their own experiences in a whole, you know, different coach in a different state, but at the same fucking shit, that grooming that I was wow. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So the freedom for me, though, the relief for me has come only within the last few years um, with doing EMDR therapy, trauma therapy, working through the trauma, resolving it, rewiring my brain, learning that, like, the way I act and the feelings I feel about myself are directly related to what happened to me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that, but that it's taken a long fucking time yeah. for a long time. Like this was, this was just, it was like my life, you know? So like I relapsed, you know, after all of this, you know, legal stuff going through all of it, I relapsed after I went on a long run because I was not ready to deal with it still. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the thought of trying to go to therapy and talk through this and keep talking about it. And I just wanted it to go away. But I realized it will never go away. It happened to me, you know, but I have an incredible amount of tools and people and it just so many resources now mm. that I've only gotten by speaking up. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Like I have these available to me because I reached out for help, but that in and of itself was so fucking hard. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I want to talk about the therapy and the benefits of that and that experience a little bit, but, uh, <clears throat> so we were talking during the break and I'm curious if some of these events, uh, have changed the way that you interact with people, right? So you talked about, uh, when we we're on the break, kind of like watching people and, and seeing how people move and that sort of thing. And, uh, I'm just curious, how have these events kind of altered the way that you interact with people before and after kind of that whole experience? I mean, they altered who I am fundamentally, yeah. you know, so therefore everything is affected. But, you know, what I was saying during the break was, and you guys are all fantastic, but men in general, you know, I'm a little bit more, I'm always hyper aware, you know, like, and you can ask any woman, you know, like mm -hmm. we are hyper aware of men around us, especially men we don't know, you know, like in dark places and strange places. And I'm hyper aware of when I see a man manipulating a woman. I, I mean, I know it's absolutely possible. I'm sure it happens with women to men, but I've never encountered it in my life. But when I see it with men, even if it's subtle things, I get really uncomfortable. Um, and I have tried to stand up for, you know, women who maybe don't know they have a voice, um, you know, try and be available to them way more than I would have before. I would not have even known, you know, I wouldn't have given a fuck. Yeah. Quite honestly, because, you know, I never experienced that. But mm -hmm. that's part of my story. It's part of 
you know, it's the hardest thing I've ever lived through. So, and I know it goes on every day, all the time. Um, so I think talking about it takes away the power. Yeah. And the hyper aware thing is interesting, right? So like, so like you just went backpacking through Europe effectively, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about traveling internationally and things on the way over here. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you should probably go backpacking through, uh, you know, like East, Southeast Asia or what have you. Uh, and when he said something interesting, I was like, yeah, my biggest fear would be like getting sold into sex trafficking. I'm like, holy shit, that's not a thing. Like, did you, th- what was the worst thing that you thought hap- would could that, happen? That. You did not think that. <laughs> you did not <laughs> think that could happen in Europe. They're coming for you, I, yeah. I Like, did, legitimately. I did it's lose like, some weight recently, yeah. like I was saying. But seriously, it's um, like, I'm traveling international. Like, the worst thing that can happen is robbed, like I lose my wallet. I thought I'm robbed, you know, from somebody, if I stood out too much as a tourist. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Right? Like, not that I'm going to be locked in a cage. Yeah. Right? Which is fucking wild. Uh, yeah. And it's something that, like, I don't know. I don't think about ever. Right? So it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, or so, or a little side note. What happened yeah. to Nick, if you want to get into that, what I was telling you earlier. Yeah. Tell the story real quick. Real quick. Quick story. Oh, yeah. So side note. I met up with our friends Marcus and Nick while, while I was over there for one day. Uh, Nick goes to this CVS type store in Spain and um, he's being typical American being like, blah, blah, is this body wash? And just asking him (laughs) super whatever, sticking out like a sore thumb. And um, and the guy's like, yeah, yeah. And then sells it to him. And he gets home and he's using it, uh, the body wash for like two days. And Marcus finally Googles it. Translate, yeah. and uh, it's feminine hygiene <laughs> wash, vaginal wash. Like, yeah, nice. here's your body wash. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so I'm going to ask a really dumb question: Is there like vagin? Like, are there specific products for Absolute. washing your vagina? Here, let me yeah, t- dude, let me, summer breeze, baby. Let me tell you something: right. a vagina cool, is like an ecosystem, mm, and it has it really a very is. specific, delicate pH balance. And oh, I'm harsh, sure of that. Harsh um, perfumes in like most body wash can really like. Like women, if you're listening, you should definitely use feminine wash on your lady parts because it's just way better for your vagina. I I'll <laughs> concur with this and, and suggest yes. that that happens also, please, definitely. for the love of everybody. It's right? important stuff. Like all this pineapples. is turning into like a women empowerment podcast. Women empowerment. <laughs> yeah, fuck, I'm which down I'm, with that, dude. Yeah, which I'm super down with, dude. Because that thing you just said about the ecosystem of the. That's fucking real, dude. That's, some cool That's shit. super real. You know what else is real? A woman's body is the only thing that it's it's a portal from the spirit world to the physical world. Yo, I think about this all the time of like what if the afterlife is just born? my period in the womb, right? Like that time period that I'm in the womb. Oh wait, you mean your life? So like I so I I, I die at some point, right? Like I'm going to die at some point. And then I 100% believe that there's an afterlife, right? And I'll have some consciousness during that time period. But what if that time period is just while I'm in the womb? Like, I feel like babies in the womb have some sort of consciousness. And it's something that I can't explain. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're a part of another organism thing. But you're also, I don't know. What if it's, yeah, like afterlife is like, from one womb, like you're born into this world and then you go back into another womb and the vagina is like an ecosystem. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So good. Use that forever, please. I would wear a shirt that says that. I want to make a shirt. Yeah, I want to wear a shirt that says that. Well, it's crazy, dude, and I'll state the obvious, man. A woman's body literally manufactures a brain, lungs, Kidneys, Heart. bones. A vagina Swimming. is like an ecosystem. 
also Ooh. that. It like feeds this fetus. It, it literally grows. There's nothing else on earth that can fucking grow a human except yeah. for a woman's womb. Yeah. It's like insane. It's, it's insane. It's it really is insane. fucking insane. Like it's incredible because we can't create something as like we can't create a human except like we can't make one. We, we can't sit here and yeah. design a human. No, not but without like, that dude. Not without the dude. <laughs> uh, and there's, and there's <laughs> DJ David CBD over there just having to come in with some crazy shit like that. Off so we're wall. we're getting off track. We yeah. are. We so are getting off track. I'm really <laughs> you had a second part to your question. Yeah. So the second part was I'm really interested in EMDR and I'm just curious about that experience and like the before and after and what that's been like. So I'm in I'm in it yeah. right now. It's nice. been some build up to get there to become willing to really go because what happens is you're kind of like hypnotized um, using like sounds and words, and you you're asked to go back to that place and relive what happened because your brain kind of I'm gonna fuck this up so I I might not be describing EMDR perfectly but. I You're think not I'll a doctor? give you the gist. I'm actually not. Okay, it's amazing. Sure. I know. I didn't find time. I was busy <laughs> for fair. a while. Um, but yeah, so it's basically re you're reliving everything and then you have to rewire your brain. Or you don't have to. What happens is your brain is rewired to see where the trauma affects you in your life today. Mm -hmm. You know, so it is it's like the best way I can describe it is unlearning what you thought was true based on the trauma you went through and then relearning what the actual truth is. Yeah. Interesting. So did you yeah. go into therapy with the idea like I want to do EMDR? No, I. So here's what I knew. I, I knew that this that my trauma, I had to talk to somebody about it. That's mm -hmm. what I knew. I was like, this is fucking me up. I can see how it's affecting my relationships in my life. I can see how it affects my self-esteem. I can see how it affects just so many things about myself. And I'm I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to fucking be this way anymore. So that's where, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to therapy because I have yet, I hadn't until I really went and gave therapy an honest try. I hadn't found a combination of things that worked in terms of dealing with stabilizing my mental health. I was always all over the fucking board. Mm -hmm. um, granted, I'm still I have my days. I have many days, but I've found more consistency um, with. So I have I do therapy and I also microdose mushrooms. Okay. Um, which damn, that's tight. Yeah, and it's not like I've never felt like I've never like tripped or something. Right, right, like right. I do a small, tiny amount three days a week. What does that do? Like what's um, the it's effect? for depression. Okay. So the effect, because I, I have, I personally have, I've taken a lot of antidepressants. I am not a fan. I experienced mm. some really scary side effects from one, and I was like, dude, I'm fucking done. Yeah. I'm done with this. Um, but the I've only been doing the microdosing for about two months. Mm. But what I'm experiencing is. Um, colors are a little bit brighter, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit easier for me to get going mm -hmm. in the morning. Um, and I just overall feel happier. It's easier for me to be happy. Yeah. You know, it's not like pulling teeth. Um, and I guess my friend who kind of recommended this to me said it so well, she's like, I imagine that this is how a depressed person would view the world or a not depressed person would view the world. Yeah. You know, colors are a little bit brighter things are a little sounds are nicer you know what i'm saying little mm -hmm. shit like that but yeah the birds are chirping the grass mm -hmm. is greener yeah that's really interesting because i i know that that the idea of like micro dosing uh psilocybin right now is so new 
Yes. Um, so are there any kind of like different, you know, warnings or like ideas of like, is this something that becomes, um, you know, dependent, like one person becomes dependent upon right. um, this microdosing or is it an idea of like getting on it and tapering off of it? I think it's every so I've done a lot of reading about it and it seems like mo a lot of people have varying experiences. Um, it's not something you should do if your mindset is anything other than I was at the end of the rope with or at the end of the line when it came to medication. I was done taking medication, but I also know that my depression has to be treated. Mm -hmm. um, and the treatment for me is mental health, spiritual and medication. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, work, working on my spirituality, taking care of my soul is how I kind of look at it. And that involves a lot of things. Um, but I had to be on medication. And like the last medication I was on was Effexor. Um, and this was, so I had started taking antidepressants when I was 17. Mm. Um, so this is 10 years of taking antidepressants. Granted, there's a lot of drug use sprinkled in there, so... Yeah. You know, we'll leave that for it, the the meds weren't working. Then, okay? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I sobered up and I started taking Effexor, it just gave me these things called brain zaps. Like I just felt like my whole my it would start in my brain and be the shock through my whole body. Holy fuck! It was fucking awful. Yeah. And I went, I told my friend about it who was also on the medication. I'm like, I'm experiencing this thing, blah blah. blah. She's like, I am experiencing it too. And I looked it up, and it's common. They call it brain zaps. So at that moment, I was like, I am done with medication. I feel like I'm going to see a class action lawsuit come oh, in like my, two years about yeah, this. Yeah, you can literally look it up. It's brain zaps from yeah. Effexor. So I'm like, how could that be better than trying mushrooms? Who My friend who um, recommended it to me had been on them for a year. Mm -hmm. um, and she had never been in the program. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was something I had to put a lot of thought and preparation into. It wasn't something one day I was like, I'm just going to do it. Um, it was... I, I have absolutely the best intentions of doing it. I'm doing it for the right reasons. If any other reason, if you're if you're trying to treat depression, is not the right way to go about it because it is a psychedelic, you know. So I think if you had the wrong intentions, it wouldn't work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. did you have fear like before like starting? Yeah, I was. Well, I was nervous. You know, I'm nervous with drugs in general. I'm not. I know myself. You know, I know I'm a drug addict. Yeah. I can't do drugs. Like, yeah, yeah. I just can't. And I was afraid, you know, I was like, I don't want to trip because I did. I don't want that. I don't like that. And um, I never I didn't. But um, I was definitely afraid. Yeah. So EMDR, you're microdosing um, psilocybin. So what what does life look like today versus before you started taking these actions to solve these challenges that you were facing? Yeah, I mean, it looks my life is so full today um, and it's full with like a ton of good and a lot of bad, you know, a lot of bad days. Mm. Um, I've definitely come to this point where I'm at. I'm I'm on this journey. Right. And it's not necessarily AA driven. It's not. Fuck it driven. Like, I don't care where that's how it was for me before, you know, I was like, I think that's why it was so easy for me to just shoot dope. Cause I'm like, I don't care if I die. I really don't like yeah. whatever. Uh -huh. Um, and now it's, I'm on this path where it's, I want to do, I want to take care of myself. I want to do my best. I want to be patient with myself. Um, I, 
always try to remember that my progress is going to be the opposite of linear. Well, not the opposite, but close to the opposite of linear. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of lows and a lot of highs, but I stay doing the things that I know help me grow as a person and address my trauma. Um, and I also keep a lot of people around me that maybe will always tell me what I need to hear, but not always what I want. And those people have told me not what I want to hear before, but what I needed to hear. And I've been so glad that they're there, you know, and I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm at this point in my life, I'm trying to pull all, just pull from all of my experiences, all of the tools I've used, whether it's from here, there, and I'm willing to try it because I know that my heart is in the place where I want to grow as a person. And I want to be a good person always. I want to do the right thing. You know, it's pretty, it's simple. It's become very simple. And it was very complicated for a really long time because I was like, I have to get better. My, I have to feel better. I can't live this way anymore or I'm just going to die. I just want to kill myself, mm-hmm. you know? And like those two extremes, like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try, I'm going to try and do everything I can to feel better because yeah. it's worth it. Because what, what else am I going to fucking do? Yeah, you absolutely. Know? It's, dude, it's the classic story, man, of just like, um, pain is necessary and suffering is optional. Mm. You know, there's a we all have this breaking point. Yep. We have this breaking point of pain. You know, and like that breaking point brings us to this to this time in our life or this fork in the road. We're like, all right, it's time to do something about this. Yeah. You know, because the suffering that comes afterwards is totally optional. Right. And like your story um, of everything that you've been through has just been, you know, a testament to that. Right. You know, you can continue to sit in the suffering or you can do something about it mm-hmm. and you can flip that experience around to help somebody else. And that's where we find the most joy and the most fulfillment. Exactly. And it's like the key to someone else's future and happiness. Right. Right. And oh man, I don't know. It was just so you tonight, what you've done tonight is my original idea of this podcast. Hell I mean, yeah. you hit it on the head. It was just, it was fucking beautiful, man. And thank you. Thank you so much for just your transparency and your honesty. Um, but, you know, let's fucking, let's get a little weird, dude. Let's, <laughs> let's get a little, yeah. let's get we a little weird. Magic let's here, get a little weird. Here, here we go. Everything I know about anything, you can put on a stick and shove right up my ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was from a 70-year-old <laughs> man named What is Dick. the context? There is no context. That, that is the most, sense. like roundabout weird <laughs> there's a lot there's a whole story to it i'm telling you we should do a podcast about the some there's of the crazy no shit that context. i've said so what does what does whitney do now for fun what do i do now for i love fun? it when you wear these lilac pants <laughs> that scared me who is that i know that's, exactly that's t- who it's that is. tim beers yeah. uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like who's this voice coming out of the lilac pants <laughs> What do I do for fun? You know, really, it's just mostly hanging out with all kinds of different people. Like, I have lots of different friends in lots of different places. And I love just, I don't know, experiencing all different people at different places, doing different things. Um, I like drinking. I go out on the weekends, I guess. Weekend warrior. Yeah. White Claw and Break the Law? White Claw, ain't no laws. Hey, watch out. Well, that's super interesting in itself is that idea too. Like, because Danny talks about that all the time. Like, he's not set on one group of people. 
You know, yeah. like I thought you were talking about drinking white claw. Yeah, I was very curious <laughs> where really this was gonna go. Yeah. Daddy <laughs> loves the claw, dude. He loves when that talon just fucking grabs him. Well, I think like we talked about this a while back, right? As a result of like my experiences, I'm kind of like a social nomad where like mm-hmm. there's a lot of different groups that I can easily flow yeah. in and out totally. of. Totally. And yeah. like it's good and it's bad. Like yeah. there's positives and negatives to it. Yeah, and I can see like there are times um you know, I'm drawn, I feel like I'm drawn to so many different kinds of people, but I also have this, and this is part of like my personal growth, you know, in the last couple of years where I have to be aware and acknowledge, like I am drawn to bad things. I'm drawn to the darkness. Like I, it's, I always have been, you know, and I have to kind of like acknowledge that part of myself and respect that. And that like, I have to think twice about who, you know, I'll pour my energy into because Sometimes, like, someone can really influence me in a bad way if it's, like, that darkness. So what's that What's that transition like, you know? Because you were in the program, right? And, like, the program of AA, right? Or yeah. any of the A's is, like, this very, like, militant. Yes. We don't do drugs or we don't drink anymore because that leads to burn a needle in my arm. Right, right. So, I mean, you, you drink, quote, unquote, normally now. Right. What was that experience like? Now, please, all the viewers that are in recovery, do not take this as like there's hope out there for you to drink normally. Uh-huh. Everyone yes. has their own experience. Very so important. please. So yeah, that is so important because my my theory is that AA is necessary for some of us. It's the only solution uh, for some of us. Um, I don't know if it's the only solution for me. Um, it is. It, I could never, ever repay you know, the A's for what they gave me, which is the tools, how to live life, how to be a good person, how to hold myself accountable, how to talk to people, how to be a good friend, how to be a good daughter. Like AA absolutely gave me the tools to become the person I am now. Um, But for me, I just, I don't know. I wanted, I have been in and out a lot. Um, my relapses were kind of always tied to somebody else you know I'm definitely a codependent absolutely um but when I kind of started I took a step back I thought you know what is my main issue and for me it has always been my mental health and dealing with my trauma and I knew that sober or not if I don't deal with my trauma it's gonna kill me like sober or not that that exists I still have that pain that those problems I still act out in those ways because of it um, so as soon as I began to address that, you know, I, I drank one, you know, one weekend and I was fine and I drank a couple weekends later and yeah, I can drink quote unquote normally. I have been for, you know, over a year and it, it works right. for me, but I also have many of my best friends are, are still in the rooms. They still work a program. I go to them, you know, I talk to them about the things that I would only feel comfortable talking to someone in the program about, you know, and I keep them close to me to hold me accountable. Um, And that's the biggest thing is transparency and honesty and willingness to be called out on your fucking bullshit. (laughs) You know, I can do that now. I've done, it's been done enough where I'm like, I can, I know who I am and it's, you know, I know I'm flawed and I'm willing to be put back in line because I'm not going to fucking burn my life to the ground. I'm just not. So I got a random question. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? 
Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> no, it's not like even a conspiracy theory. No, I, know. I, just, I like an ecosystem. That's not a conspiracy. That's facts. Um, that's, I just wanted to say Epstein didn't kill himself on this. Nice. Because um, my favorite one would have to be... Oh, the one I was telling you about. That, like, there are concentration camps here on United States soil and that the government is building them and planning some sort of, this one's so wild. Okay, I got deep, I was telling Danny this on the way here, I got real deep into conspiracies when I was really twacked out. Like, I thought I was gonna form a militia and overthrow the government, that's how deep I was in Stage a coup. Yeah, something like that. Um, But anyway, it's just this theory that the government wants to kill us all and there's all these, uh, there's all this land all throughout the United States with these massive black plastic. They could only be coffins. The only thing that would fit in these are humans. And there's like millions of them all throughout the country. And the government owns the land that all of them are on. And you can't go there and you can't take pictures. And they're real weird about it. So I don't know. I, I, I really believe that I wouldn't put it past our government and some kind of mass genocide of the people so that there were less people and easier less people are easier to control so Uh, some sort of population control type scenario you know i'm a big fan of i think i'd really like that (laughs) (laughs) i I recognize that voice (laughs) who was that that was uh uh rooney oh that's right that's right no i don't think you know that person no i missed that one um Wow, conspiracies. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Conspiracies. Mm. I always thought elections were going to be canceled and there was a bunch of FEMA camps. Kind of similar to what when he said there's like FEMA camps that people can be held into. uh, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And like the mass depopulation of the United States. You want to know what the conspiracy is? You want to know a conspiracy? Oh, here we go. The conspiracy is, is I don't understand why we're not rich from this podcast when we have guests like Whitney later on here (laughs) because you absolutely killed it tonight, man. So there's a couple Mm -hmm. final thoughts, right? Um, One is if you've been through any kind of abuse, verbal, sexual, physical, um, speak up on that accuser, man. Because that experience right there and what you talked about is so powerful. And like I, the reason I love this podcast specifically is that I had no idea where it was going to go. Mm. I had no clue. I, I actually did meet you once before. If you remember, it was my five-year birthday party at Lake Pleasant. And we went down that big slide that launches oh, you 30 feet into the water. That. Yeah, yeah. Yo, that fucked my back up. Like, yeah, dude, that fucked my back <laughs> up real bad. Because remember, I was like, I just shaved my back. I'm feeling aerodynamic. <laughs> you guys were like, oh, your back looks so, so good. <laughs> your back looks so good, man. <laughs> um, yeah, man, if, if you've been through anything like that, fucking speak up. Speak up because that, that experience alone is so fucking powerful so again i just want to thank you for your transparency your honesty your experience like everything tonight it was beautiful thank you so much mm-hmm. oh, yeah. my pleasure don't awesome. forget to hit the subscribe button my Oops. children smash right. that button smash that smash that fucking button click the bell smash that smush you fucking smash that button okay you fucking smash it again we're sponsored by yes. butt out e-cigs put in the promo code last we got get 20% off your small Ethiopian child. I mean vape. I mean that is a vape juice. And we love you. Goodbye.